There were those who actually found their way to the feet of Jesus and actually went deeper, deeper in their understanding of who God was, deeper in their devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, even deeper in their relationship, that love relationship that can only be met through Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Good to see some people outside of their house. Come on now, feel a little good to have your freedom back. Yes, awesome. Well, we're in the uh, final sermon on this series called Deeper. We are back to our schedule again. We do have two worship services, 945 and 1105. Our ABF groups are slowly coming back online. Some of the younger classes have started earlier. Some of the other classes are coming on board uh, at different weeks over the next month. So please check in with your ABF. If you're here and your ABF class isn't meeting, you can go to iCentral as soon as you leave this morning. You can find a class that you could sit in until your ABF class resumes. Uh, We will be meeting next week and we'll be looking at the state of the church. Uh, The State of the Church is an address I normally bring in January, and that is something that's now being brought now into late February simply because of weather and all the things that have been happening. That's where we take a look at where we've been. It's where we are going in the days ahead. So we'll have a lot of different things to bring to you. Please be here next Sunday. If you can't be, if you're still online with us, please tune in. It is a pivotal time in the life of our church. You'll be very, very blessed when you hear where we're heading. All right, well, let's dig in a little bit deeper, kind of like what we've experienced in these past weeks here in Oklahoma City. You probably have been digging out. This was maybe your ride into work one day this week, or perhaps you went walking around Lake Overholzer. Maybe you saw what you haven't seen since you've lived here in Oklahoma City. We've all gone deeper in our temperatures, we've gone deeper in snow accumulation, but it's more important that we go deeper in the Lord. We began in January talking about what it means to be at the feet of Jesus, to approach him on a daily basis, not so that he might pour out just blessings from heaven, but that we might just be blessed because we know the creator of heaven and earth, that we spend time at the feet of Jesus as we walk with him. The Bible records numerous events that happened at the feet of Jesus. Some people found healing. Some people found salvation. We also see in Scripture that there were times that were people at the feet of Jesus and they were mocking him, or they were crucifying him, or they were doing rejection of him in their hearts. All kinds of different reactions at the feet of Jesus. What's your reaction this morning? Where do you find your heart as you approach the feet of Jesus? And then we dug in here in February to find that there were those who actually found their way to the feet of Jesus and actually went deeper, deeper in their understanding of who God was, deeper in their devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, even deeper in their relationship, that love relationship that can only be met through Jesus. Peter is our example. We've been looking at his life where uh, that story began in a boat. And we are seeing different stages of Peter's growth as he spends time at the feet of Jesus. We find him first as a fisherman of fish. We find him in a boat, an expert in how how he could catch fish. But now we're watching God take him deeper into his life purpose. That he was created to make a difference in his lifetime, just like you and me. And he was to be a fisher 
of men. At the feet of Jesus, uh, there would be times where Peter would mess up, just like you and me. At the feet of Jesus, there were times that Peter would argue with Jesus, trying to correct him as if Jesus didn't understand what was going on. There's even an account at the feet of Jesus where Peter rebukes the Lord. Can you imagine that, rebuking Jesus? And then we know the time when he would deny Christ three times. So it's not always pretty at the feet of Jesus. And yet what's beautiful is the one who has the feet, the Lord Jesus. And how he takes us deeper, even when we go deeper in the wrong direction, even when we go deeper in our defeat perhaps, we still find Jesus completing the work in us. So turn to that verse, Philippians 1.6. Hopefully you've got that marked in your scripture, and hopefully you look at that often. It is a powerful truth. Paul would say this to the Christians in Philippi. It's an eternal truth for those who know Christ. He says this, he says, I am confident of this very thing. What thing? He said, there's one thing I have complete confidence in. It wasn't in his spiritual performance. It wasn't in his resume of, hey, I'm an apostle and I'm great. No, you new Christians at Philippi, I'm confident that maybe you'll catch up with me someday. That's not what he says. He says, I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you, his confidence was in the Lord. It wasn't in them, and it isn't what they were doing for God. It was in what God was doing in them. He said, I am confident that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. Let me give that to you in a diagram as you think about the big picture. As you take a look at the screen, you can see that there on the bottom left, when we were born in this world, we were lost in our sin. We all have sinned, I'm sure of the glory of God. I don't have to convince anybody in this room that you're a sinner just like me. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That sin in our lives separates us from a holy God. Now, that's why we have the cross. For God so loved you and God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. Why did he have to send himself? Why did he have to take on flesh? Because the only way he could be a just God is for the penalty of our sin to be paid. The wages of sin is death. Jesus became that death for us. He is our substitute. And in that moment that we come to understand that he is the way, the truth, and life, we are justified before a holy God. The word is justification. And in that, we are now born into the kingdom. It's a new birth. And we are born, but just like a baby who's born into this world, they're not born perfectly. They're not born able to walk. They're not able to talk. They're not able to process. It is a growth process. So as you look at that diagram, you see the issue of your salvation in what we know as sanctification. This is Philippians 1.6. That between the time you are saved until the time you go to see the one who saved you face to face, you are being sanctified transformed into his image and what the apostle paul is teaching in here is that until you get to that moment of glorification when you literally see jesus face to face god is at work in your life we're going to see it in peter's life and i want you to understand what we're seeing in peter's life is what god does in your life as well it was a confident truth that paul had that god is going to complete what he began in you We have a tendency to think that we're the ones who do all the completion. Yes, we have to submit, and yes, we must participate in the transformation, but only God can transform us. 
And God is the one who can only save us. God is the only one who can keep us saved. And God is the one that will complete that salvation work until you take your last breath. You better take a little aha, thank you, Jesus moment right there. That is a beautiful truth. Because I remember when I first was saved in my uh, infancy, in my new birth, my, my young stage, that infancy stage of being a Christian, I thought I had to do all of it. And I was working so hard trying to show God that I was true to what I had prayed, that I was worthy of his sacrifice, and I was trying to get it done until I came to realize he's the potter and I'm the clay. The clay can't form itself. The clay just has to submit to the potter and let the potter do the rest. Well, Peter is our example here. And we find Peter struggling in that transformational sanctification. We find him failing. We find him sailing in his faith. We find times of victory and we find times of defeat. So don't get discouraged when you see the same thing when you look in the mirror. Don't get overwhelmed when you are not exactly where you want to be. Simply find yourself back at the feet of Jesus and let Jesus continue to complete the work in you. Let me take you to Acts chapter 2 this morning. Go to Acts chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, we're in Acts chapter 2. The church has been taught to wait. Jesus said, I want you to go, and I want you to wait in this upper room until I send you my Holy Spirit. There they are being obedient. And then we find that the Holy Spirit came rushing into their lives. Verse 3. Take a look at verse 3. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. Not some of them, not just the apostles, on those who knew the Lord. The Holy Spirit filled their hearts. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Go down to verse 14. Drop down to verse 14, and now we find Peter. Now remember where Peter's been. Peter's been arguing with Jesus. He's been rebuking Jesus. He's been denying Jesus. He's been cussing Jesus. Sound like an apostle to you? Sound like a person of faith to you? Well, he was struggling. But God is perfecting the work in him. Now we wake up all the way in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, and Peter, watch this, not denying the Lord, but what's that next phrase? Taking his stand. He was a different man. He was a man who was being transformed in the image of Jesus. He was a man who fell short of the glory of God, but he also was a man who was submitted to the will of God and let Jesus continue to work in his life. He didn't listen to the lies of the enemy that said he wasn't worthy. He wasn't listening to the lies of the enemy that said you're disqualified. He wasn't listening to his peers that said, oh, Peter, you're on the bench. We'll step in. You blew it. He let Jesus kept, keep working in his life. And there he is taking a stand with the other 11. He raised his voice and he declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, know this and pay attention to my words. Well, his words earlier, when he was trying to get them to pay attention, was denying Christ. Now, God gives him the privilege of preaching the very first sermon 
ever preached in the New Testament age. Isn't that a powerful picture of the unconditional love of God? And if that's how the Lord worked in Peter's life, why would it be any different for your life or mine? The first sermon ever preached and trusted to the one who failed him, but was being perfected day after day. He went from denying the Lord and hiding with others to now preaching boldly and now standing up publicly to all of Jerusalem. How did he get there? God kept working in his life. I'm not sure where you are right now in your journey. I know that I've spent a lot of time with folks who seem to be struggling in their journey. They seem to be discouraged in their journey. They seem to be uh, elevated in their emotional temperature, if you will, through all the stressors we've been through. And we can live under that oppression or we can live a life of transformation. We get to choose. He could have easily quit, just like Judas did. He could have easily turned his back on the Lord like others did. But Peter allowed the Lord to keep working in his life. Will you and I do the same? Well, today, we're going to end this series kind of where we started the series. Where he began in his encounter with Jesus in his boat, we're going to find a similar encounter at the very end of this transformational process. And what we're going to see is Peter's not the only one who fails spiritually. So here's my questions for you. How do you deal with your failures? What voice do you listen to when you fall short of the glory of God? How does God deal with our failures? Let's take a look at it. Let's go now to John chapter 21 and verse 1. John 21 and verse 1. After these things... Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this, in this way. So we look in on verse 1. There are a couple things I want you to see. First of all, look at that first phrase. John says, now, after these things. So where are we at? We haven't been studying verse by verse through John, so let me catch you up to the context. After these things, what happened in chapter 20 and what happened in chapter 19? Well, we've had his crucifixion. Jesus has died on the cross, innocently, as a substitute for your sin and for mine. After these things, his crucifixion, we also have his burial, we have his resurrection, and we have numerous appearings to the disciples. They've seen him in his resurrected form. They've seen him alive, and after these things, he manifests himself again. So it isn't the first time. Uh, Surely their hearts are now more bold. Surely they have an assurance of what is true. Well, let's move ahead and let's take a look at verses 2 through 3. Not sure. There we go. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Now, get the picture. This is after Jesus has manifested his resurrected self multiple times. You would think that Peter and the disciples would now see all the glorious truth of what Jesus had preached those three and a half years in front of them. They would now know it's time to go make disciples in all the earth. And where do we find Peter? Where do we find these disciples? They decide that they're going to go back to their old business. 
you think they'd be about the father's business, but they go back to their old business. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. Have you ever noticed how we have the tendency to go back, to go back to the old ways of living? Have you ever noticed that we have a tendency, like Peter and just like the disciples, to instead of living out our eternal purpose, a kingdom purpose, we go back to where we are comfortable. We go back to where we want to be. And Sydney, I'm going to have to have you help me back there. The, the PowerPoint's not working from the front. There you go. Thank you. All right. So let's kick, catch up where we are. Peter, instead of going fishing for fish, needed time to think, perhaps. Maybe he just needed some time to get away and to try to collect all of his emotions and, and struggle and wrestle with his defeats and his disappointments. We're not sure why he decided to go fishing, but we do know this. It's always easier to go back to what we're comfortable with. It's always easier to go back to where we feel strongest or safest and back to our comfort zones. But as we're going to see in this picture, whatever step you take in your journey, it is influencing other people. It may be your children or your grandchildren. It may be your neighbor. It may be your spouse. It may be uh, fellow brothers or sisters in Christ through your ABF groups. It may be somebody you work with at work. But every step you take is influencing somebody. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 says we are either gathering people to the kingdom or we're scattering people from the kingdom. As we go back to John chapter 21 and verse 3, we see here, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we also are coming with you. Isn't that interesting? That where Peter was going, others were following? That ought to humble us to think about our steps of faith or our lack of faith. It ought to humble us to think who's following behind us, who's watching our journey. And are they following us to the feet of Jesus or are they following us into this world, this natural world that we live in? It's a humbling reality and it's a reminder of what it means to be at the feet of Jesus. Well, as we look in on this story, what we find, we started this three weeks ago and we find Peter and the disciples in their boat and they've caught nothing all night. Remember that story? Jesus steps into that boat, he begins to teach them that he's going to make them fishers of men, and then he tells them to go deeper. And they throw out a net and they catch the biggest catch of fish they've ever had. A powerful moment where Jesus got their attention, revealed to them that he is the God of the supernatural. They could either live naturally or they could experience the supernatural. And now they begin their journey and and we saw in the last week how, how God would keep taking Peter deeper and the rest of the disciples and now we wake up in this morning, and, and, and we're three and a half years into this story now. Jesus has been teaching Peter and the disciples every single day. Now, you remember how it works at school? Remember when we used to be able to go to school? Remember those days? And you had a teacher that was right there in the classroom with you, and you had books that you could touch, and you would open books, and you would do school. And a teacher would teach you for a series of lessons. Maybe it's a week, two weeks, three weeks. And after they had taught that section in the book, what would the teacher do next? The teacher would always throw a test. I used to think it was because they were a tool of Satan, but I came to realize they actually had their best interest for me. So a test. What's the purpose of a test? Make you miserable? 
keep you up all night cramming because you didn't really study along the way? No, the test reveals where you are in relationship to the teaching. Did you master the teaching? Did you, did, did you actually understand what was being taught? That's the purpose of the test. Well, a little different as we go here. Jesus has been teaching. He's the master teacher. He's a flawless teacher. You would think that a master teacher, a flawless teacher, would have perfect students. Am I right? No. We still are hard of learning and hard of hearing. We can be stubborn in taking in the material. We can be lazy in listening and find ourselves failing the test. Did you ever fail it? Some of you are perfect valedictorian type people and so be it. The rest of us had issues in our academics, am I right? Did you ever fail a pop quiz or a test? How did that help your grade point? Did that bless you? Did you get to run home to mom and dad and say, whoa, look what God's doing in my life today, right? No, it, it caused a dive in the GPA. The beautiful thing about the master teacher is he never flunks us, but he stays with us. He will always complete the work that he begins in us. Even if we're slow of learning, like Peter. Even if we flunk a test or a pop quiz, like Peter. The Lord Jesus simply sits us down and reteaches us. Now, there's some of us at certain points in our journey that we keep getting held back and held back and held back. And it's not because God doesn't love you and God is vindictive. God just loves you enough not to leave you like you are. And he will continue to teach you until you can pass the test. There are so many Christians today that are high-centered in their faith because they've not listened to the lesson God wanted them to hear. And the moment of where they are, and they won't listen to the move and the work of the Holy Spirit they just get caught up in a spiritual rut. They're stuck in class until they learn their lesson. Peter had to learn his lesson. He had to learn it over and over again. God had to keep teaching him, and God had to keep teaching him. But here's the beautiful truth. God completed the work that he began in Peter. And God is going to do the same work in you. But our problem is stubbornness. Our problem is laziness. Our problem is we don't want to study. We don't want to grow. We're fine just like we are. Henry Blackaby said, our problem isn't knowing the will of God. I've heard a lot of people say that. Man, if I just knew the will of God, if I just knew the will of God, I... No, no, the problem, Henry Blackaby said, isn't knowing the will of God. The problem is being obedient to the will of God. And that's what Peter had to learn. That's what I've had to learn. That's what I am learning from time to time as God is completing the work in me. Take a look now. Go to verse 4. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Bible scholars say it could have been the fact that there was a fog over the lake, perhaps. It was hard to see to the shore, but there was a figure, there was a person there. We don't know exactly what was going on. We don't know if they didn't notice him because they were distracted, because they were frustrated. Because you see, here they were fishing again. They'd thrown their nets out all night long, and guess what happened? They caught absolutely nothing. And here's what we can know. 
What we learn from this story is true in our life as well. That if we're heading in our own direction, if we're living in the flesh, our nets will always come up empty. It was the same at the beginning of the story when Peter and the disciples were living a life separated from God. And we find it even down here after they've come to know the Lord, after they have experienced three and a half years at the feet of Jesus, they also struggled with their flesh, living in the natural realm rather than the supernatural. And so we wake up in this chapter, one of the ending chapters of their story, and we find that their nets have come up empty again. So look at verse 5. I want you to see how Jesus continues to work in their faith. Take a look at it, verse 5. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? Now, these are some rugged men. And some clown on the beach is mocking them, or so they think. We're no children. We are tough, seasoned men. Who is this clown on the beach who wants to mock us? Well, the Lord was reminding that term for children there in the Greek is actually a term of a young student who's being taught, who's learning. What Jesus is trying to say is, guys, I'm not done teaching. You haven't learned everything. I know you've been with me for three and a half years. You can't coast. Don't go back to your natural lives. I have more to teach you. I want to take you deeper. So watch him do it. Verse 6. Jesus said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. So looking on this story, we find at the end a similar story to the beginning. Why? Because Jesus is still teaching the same lessons. Trust me with your life. You can experience the supernatural, but you'll never experience it doing it in your flesh, doing what you do in your own understanding, but you got to trust me. And when you trust me, and when you fish where I take you to fish, you can experience great and unexplainable things. The sad thing with American Christianity is it is too explainable. It's too understandable. And for our culture, American Christianity has been something people do on Sunday mornings. Rather than seeing us be passionate, like we see Peter in Acts chapter 2. Boldly taking our stand and lovingly sharing the gospel with everyone who will listen. The difference in Peter as he's being transformed and Peter when he's walking in the flesh. Same is true for you and for me. But here's the beautiful picture. While they have their empty nets and while they've gone back to their fleshly living again and their understanding, Jesus keeps loving them and Jesus keeps speaking. It says that he called out to them. He called out to them and he instructed them in their next steps. When's the last time you heard God instruct you in your next step? When was the last time you could honestly say, man, the Lord spoke to me and I know this is where God is taking me? Or do you find that your nets are empty? We look in on this story. Once they obeyed, they found what they were looking for. Same lesson, same truth, same thing they learned way back here, had been forgotten along the way, and now they got to learn it again. So have I, as I've been through this message. I've had to be reminded too. Bill, don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. Listen for me. Submit to me. 
in all your ways, and I will make your path straight. Then your nets will be full. You want to do it on your own? Go for it. You think you know what you're doing? Do it. Come up empty every time. Too many people try to find what they're looking for in disobedience and going in a different direction, a simple direction. It may be fun. It may be pleasurable for a while, but it's empty. There's other disobedience, though, that isn't always radically sinful. This doesn't look like that big of a deal. They're just fishing, right? That isn't what God had designed them to be. He said, I'm making you to be fishers of men. They should have been out in the highways and the byways. They didn't have time to lose, and yet they were wasting time in their boat. John chapter 21, verse 7, take a look at it. But once Peter and the boys obeyed, not only did they experience a physical blessing, they experienced a spiritual blessing. Look at it, verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, who's that disciple that Jesus loved? I thought he loved all of them, right? Whose gospel are we reading from? John. I'm assuming this is his humble take at protecting somewhat his identity. We know this to be John who saw it. He isn't bragging per se, or maybe, I don't know. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now they saw Jesus clearly. We're so busy saying, until I see Jesus clearly, I'm not taking the next step. We have it backwards. I would say you take the next step. You listen to the voice of the shepherd. You take that step, and you'll see Jesus even more clearly. Now, that is different than our own understanding. That doesn't seem to make sense. And yet, it is modeled throughout all of Scripture. So I ask you this. What step has Jesus been asking you to take that you're not taking? He's not going to reveal any more of the picture or any more of who he is until you take that next step. Verse 7. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord... He put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work. He threw himself into the sea. But this time, he's not walking on water. He doesn't care. He just wants to be at the feet of Jesus again. And he goes, and he approaches him with all of his... Do you see the passion? Do you see his exuberance? He didn't say, okay, Jesus, we're coming, hang on. He was excited to be where Jesus was. That's the lesson he'd been learning over and over and over again. And what do we do after we deny Christ? It'd be easy to say, oh, I can't, I can't show up at the feet of Jesus. I've betrayed him. I'm not worthy of being in the presence of Jesus. But that wasn't Peter's response. Peter had experienced the forgiveness of God. He had repented in his sin. He took the next steps of faith. And even though he wasn't as faithful in this day as he should have been, he was faithful with his next step. Can we be as faithful? Can we take the next step as well and trust Jesus every step of the way? Look at verse 8. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging in the nets full of fish. You get down to the rest of the story. We're out of time, but look at verse 15 very quickly. And you remember how the story ends. Peter finds himself at the feet of Jesus. What happens at the feet of Jesus? If you'll let him, he'll take you deeper. Well, you say he's on the ground. He's not even out in the water. It's a deeper lesson still. Because Jesus draws Peter in. He shows him that when you do it your way, you come up empty, Peter. 
But Peter, let me ask you a question. Do you love me? So I look in and I can preach on this. You've heard lots of sermons preached on it. There's a lot of things we can learn, but let me, let me just point you this. Notice as we start getting towards the end of Peter's story, the master teacher doesn't pull out all of his failed tests and say, Peter, let's talk. Let's review. Remember when you were arguing with me? You remember that time you rebuked me? You remember that time I had to say, get behind me, Satan? Do you remember that time I was, I was arrested and being beaten, heading towards the cross, and you denied me three times, cussed me the third time? You remember all that, Peter? Remember I told you so? Did he have that kind of conversation? You see, he doesn't do a performance review. He doesn't pull Peter out of the boat and say, let's review your performance. What does Jesus care about? What's the deeper truth? Do you love me? And anytime God asks a question, I've taught you, always stop and put yourself in the question. So let God ask you, as he's asked me this week as I prepared the message, put yourself in the Mary, Jane, Larry, whoever, do you love me? Bill, do you love me? As he works him through that, Peter's still struggling with his performance. He's still uh, realizing, I've fallen short of the glory of God, and his answers reveal that he still doesn't believe he's worthy of God's love. But Jesus is taking him deeper. And Jesus is telling him, I love you right where you are, right as you are, but I love you enough to transform your life. And if you love me, you won't go fishing for fish. You'll feed my sheep. You'll be a fisher of men. You'll live differently. Do you love him? Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, do you love him? Do you love him? How do you answer that question? You say, I love you, Lord, but I I don't love you like I should. I love you, Lord, but I want to love you more. Lord, I don't even know your love. Maybe there's somebody here you've never experienced the genuine transformational love of Jesus. And maybe right now, whether you're in this room or worshiping online, God is speaking to your heart and he is wooing you with his love. Today, you need to love Jesus by receiving him as your savior. Just right where you are, say, Lord, I receive your love. I invite you into my heart. I trust you with my life. Maybe that's where you start. I know there are many here, you wouldn't be out on a Sunday through this snow week. If you didn't already know the love of God. But like Peter, like Peter, he's still teaching. He's still transforming. And you have a next step to take. He will never reveal more until you take that next step. Maybe you need to submit that to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I know I've been stubborn. I know I've not been listening. God, I know that next step is... So God, may you strengthen me in the power of your Holy Spirit. May you, Holy Spirit, work in my life in this. Submit it to him. Let him work. Father, I pray for each and every person here. Pray for each and every person that will view this message in the days ahead. That your word would not return void. That it would be sharp, two-edged, penetrating our hearts just like it did Peter's. You might transform us into your image day by day. 
Lord, thank you that you take us deeper. Deeper in love with you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.